Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. This is Hoop Ball Grizz. I'm David. He is Isaac. And how about that freaking ending to that game, man? I was so pumped. Yeah, Still man. Am. Man, yeah, man. Big, big time win for the Grizzlies tonight. And I think w- what really makes it big is is we talked about here on, on the podcast that we did before the show and earlier this week that you wanted to win one of these two games in Portland. Uh, and I think it's big to get this first one because now that kind of takes the edge off a little bit. And you can go in Sunday – a lot more relaxed, man, and thinking that you could take two of these. You don't have to go in tight thinking, well, we lost the first one, man. we got to try to get this one. So, Because sometimes when you have that mentality, you, you go in the game kind of tight and that could, can cause you not to play as well. I think now they can go in loose and say, man, we could walk out of here with two wins. And just just a big-time win, big-time performance by all these guys. And, and again, this game did not disappoint. I, I talked about how much I love these games against these two teams and uh, another classic tonight, uh, just a, a big-time game, uh, a big-time game from John Morant, big-time game from DB on on both ends of the floor, man. And I, I loved it. I, I loved it, man, the way they were getting up and down the floor. It was just a, a high-level basketball game, felt like playoff atmosphere. These teams knew what was on the line, man. They both came out performed. And, man, glad to see the Grizzlies were able to, to, to sneak out of there with one. Man, in the in the words of one of my favorite announcers ever, Jim Ross from the WWE, this was a slobber knocker. Slobber knocker. Man. <laughs> it, it just it felt like an actual like a heavyweight fight, just back and forth, back and forth. That you know, I think it. Uh, I've got it up here. Let me pull it. There were twenty lead changes in this game. I knew that there was quite a few. It, it was just a ton in the late in the fourth, where you know the Grizzlies would go down and get a bucket. Portland goes down the other man, end and gets a bucket. Back and forth. And it, it was great to watch. Jaron Jackson ramped up. He he played almost 25 minutes tonight. 23 points, three rebounds, two assists, one hey, still, one like block. You know, <laughs> it, it just the, – the, the threes are not falling right now, but the, they'll come. And he was doing work down low. You know, he, when he was catching the ball back to the basket, he was – it was going in. They weren't stopping it. They had nothing for him. You know, 10 for 14 from the field. Just great night. It's so good to see him back. I tweeted during the game, and I'm like, Jaron's missed the majority of the season, but John Jaron's chemistry hasn't missed a beat, man. Not at all. It's, uh, I thought that there would be maybe a little bit, but these first two games, it doesn't seem like they've missed anything. It's like he's not even missed a game at all. No, outside of outside of his three-point shot, uh, not falling. I mean, over two tonight, only took two. He looks like Jaron. I mean, it, like you said, I mean, it would many minutes did he play? 25 minutes, 23 points, uh, three rebounds, two assists, a steal, a block. And like you said, man, he was going to the rim with no no hesitation. He catch the ball, make a move in the paint, go straight up with it. And I, I think that was Pete that kind of missed on the broadcast. You think a guy that's been out that long, maybe he would have a little bit of a timing issue on some of those shots. And not at all. I mean, he's efficient. Like you said, 10 or 14 from the field. I mean, he looked, he's aggressive. I mean, he just looks like Jared and 
and, and he, you can tell, I think he's stronger. Uh, he, he talked about that, that that was one of the, the focuses during his rehab, that he wanted to get a little bit bigger and stronger. And you can see that here, um, and how he just goes at some of these guys. Sometimes he, before he wasn't as aggressive in the paint, maybe he'd kind of, kind of fade away, kind of finesse a little bit on some of those moves. He's going straight at guys now. And if, if he can add that along with and bring his three-point shooting back, I mean, he's going to be a, a monster uh, because he looks really good in the paint right now. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have the three going to nine. He was still a monster. You know, that that's uh, – he gets that three-point sh- shot going, man. It, it's uh, it's, it's going to be over for the league. He's going to be destroying folks. I want to go like, – like, before we, f- like, jump into the, the box score a whole lot, I want to talk about a play close to the end of the game. Uh, Xavier Tillman got switched on to Damian Lillard. Yeah. And so, you know, they went full ISO at that point and they, you know, they were out around the, right, right around the wing and Tillman stayed right with him, contested the shot. Unbelievable defense. (laughs) It's one of the best guards in the league, man. You know, he, he didn't block the shot. Lillard did miss great contest. His footwork is impeccable, man. I, I thought for sure. I'm like, uh, you know, I, I we we have hyped up Isaac and I both have hyped up Tillman throughout this whole year, but I had I doubted him right there, and I'm I'm glad that he he proved me wrong because that yeah. was a, a great sequence by him. Yeah, man, I've I've sounded like a broken record in saying this, but man, like like you said, for a rookie, his for for just not even a rookie, his footwork and defensive principles are just far advanced, man. For and for for a first year guy. Like you said, to go out on, on a, one of the best guards in the league and play that type of defense is, is just amazing. And I, I heard some people, lots of people actually saying today that when jo, when JV comes back, that Tillman needs to be in Winslow or the two guys that they need to be out of the rotation. And I'm like, there's no way that you how, how could you take this guy out of the rotation? I understand. I understand the position, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't know how you make it happen, but Tillman needs to be on the floor. I mean, I think he's proven this, and I thought he proved it early in the season. That's why I was so surprised that they just completely set him down, especially when you say it's a developmental season, and you look at how well this guy's played. You got him in the second round, and early in the season was playing really well just to kind of stunt his development and take him out of the rotation. It just never made any sense to me. Like, I pounded the table that during the time when he was out of rotation that this guy needs to be playing, and and he's proven me right, and we both uh, – Touted, touted him throughout, and I mean, he's just been fantastic. Uh, I mean, you go back to the Denver game, even though Nurk, uh, Jokic scored 46 points, I-, I think he did a tremendous job in that game, 18 points, 14 rebounds, came tonight, 12-6 of uh, assists, a steal, a block, 6 of 8 from the field, I mean, just super efficient. I mean, he's been knocking down three-pointers, corner three-pointers, I mean, he's doing it all out there tonight. Uh, I mean, there was one point where he went on this offensive run, I think, early in the game tonight. I mean, he's just Fantastic, man. I don't even know what to what, what words to say about him anymore, man. He's he's a really, really good player. Um, and, and that's just that's it. And I'm, someone, I'm telling you right now, I, I'm gonna get hate for this and I can live with it. I know where you're if going. It and comes I, down to it right yeah. now, the way that they're playing, you bench Brandon Clark. Yes, and someone someone on Twitter, I can't remember, I think it's at Grizzlies fans, I think it's a Twitter uh page, and he was like uh, and I said, Well, you can't take him out of rotation. He was like, Well, when everybody come, when everybody's healthy, where does he fit? And I was like, well, I think it might be time to have a tough conversation here. And I didn't yeah. say a name, but it was Brandon Clark is who I was I was referring to. I think he's just been better than him. I mean, I don't. Brandon has had had his moments. I think he was. We talked about this before. 
he was more efficient and, and a better player last year. And he's really been struggling as of late. And Tillman has just been better than him. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. Like you said, I know some people are not going to like that, but it, it is what it is, man. I, I think Tillman right now is, is the better player. I mean, he's just doing it yeah. on both ends. And Brandon, the little floater that he has, he hasn't been knocking that down. Um, he has he has been efficient from three. He's been missing those. I just think Tillman is bringing more to the team right now. Man, I completely agree with you, man. And, and it's tough. You know, Brandon's sophomore slump, you, you hear about it. You know what it is. I'm not, this, this is not me saying, oh, the Grizzlies should get rid of Brandon Clark. Cause I don't think that at all. But if you, if you were playing to win games, you play the guys that are, that are playing better right now. And between those two guys, they bring almost the same thing through the floor. There's, I will say this, there's not a guy in the NBA that Brandon Clark can guard that Xavier Tillman cannot guard. And to me, right now, the way that they're playing, everything else is equal. The only nod that I would give to Brandon Clark is athleticism and that yeah. ability to catch lobs. That's it. Everything else offensively is pretty close. Tillman is I'm I'm gonna have to get those numbers together. I don't have them in front of me right now, but lately I guarantee you their three point percentage is very similar. Very, very similar. And th- there's guys on the defensive end that Tillman can guard that Brandon Clark is not strong enough to guard. Yeah. It's put, a, it's, I was going to say someone, someone said that, that just like what you just said, where he's the only guy that we have, that's a rim runner that can catch lobs. I'm like, it, it doesn't matter how you score twos. If you can, if, if you hit shots, you're making shots. It still counts as two points. And if you gave me, I had to make a bet. You said I had a corner three, wide open corner three for Brandon Clark and a wide open corner three for Xavier Tillman right now. I'm taking Tillman. Yeah, yeah, we, we will probably be hated in Grizz Nation <laughs> because of this conversation. But but please don't take this as we dislike Brandon no, Clark. No, not at all. That's not, that's not what it is. This is just flat out in a vacuum. You're playing to win ball games. Which one of these guys is playing better right now? The answer to that question is Tillman. And if you think otherwise, I think you're missing something. I really think that you're missing something. Love what Brandon Clark done for the Grizzlies last year. Still love him as a player. I think that he's going to be a good NBA player for a long time. And I hope that's with the Grizzlies. But right now, he's just not himself. I don't think he has been himself all season. There's been times when you see flashes of it, but it just, you know, there there was streaks last year where he hit and he basically just wasn't missing. You know, there there were a couple games where he shot seven, eight, nine free uh, or nine field goal attempts and just didn't miss. Yeah, and he's not had a stretch like that this year. Is it because Jaron hasn't been playing? Is it because the the injury is not fully healed? I don't know. Don't know the answer to that. But I'm telling you, for me, hands down, right now, if we need to win, Tillman's the guy. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. I, I just think that that he, he's a little bit bigger. He can guard guys that, that Brandon struggles to guard. And, and like you said, outside of that, they bring kind of the same things. They're guys that, that are going to take two or three, possibly threes a game and maybe knock down one or two. And Tillman's been knocking those down. I, I just think right now he brings more to the table. Athleticism is the only thing really that Brandon has over him. And I mean, and that's again, that's not knocking Brandon Clark. Like I've been a big fan of his. I just think right now Tillman 
it's been a better player. Now, maybe in the future that might not be the case. Maybe Brandon will get back to the efficiency that we've seen from him in the past, but he's not even doing the things that he used to do well. Like that floater has been off for several games now. He's not even knocking that down anymore. And that was kind of his go-to bread and butter move, and he's not even even making that right now. So, uh, I mean, I think that that's a, a question that's going to have to be answered sooner or later. They're probably – We'll go back to Brandon Clark, but again, I, I I wouldn't agree with that decision, especially not right now. But uh, look looking at this box score, one one thing that kind of kind of stands out: uh, nineteen assists last game against the Clippers. Um, and, and we always talk about that magic number of 30, 33 tonight. They got back to to sharing the basketball uh, the, the way they have, and this team is more efficient. That that's how they win when you got multiple guys being involved, multiple guys scoring, and we definitely definitely saw that tonight. Uh, you just look down the starters: thirty three for Morant. Uh, 25 for DB, uh, 14 for for Kyle Anson, 12 for X. The only only player that struggled in the starting lineup was Grayson Allen, who has struggled for a few games now. Two points tonight. Uh, he couldn't really get going. Desmond Bain didn't score tonight either. So, kind of kind of weird. But I guess you, you kind of see yeah, John Morant with 33, and 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 you got Jaron Jackson Jr. more integrated with 23 points. Kind of make up for some of that scoring that they they missed out of from those two guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, Bain only took two shots tonight. And I think that that's kind of – he's not going to get a whole lot of looks. With everybody being healthy, he's not a guy that's going to – he wasn't really aggressive enough t- taking shots, in my opinion anyway, for for as good of a shooter that he is, he wasn't aggressive enough. And so now with more guys on the floor, with, with Jaron coming back and being a high-volume guy, you know, he's just one you're not going to see take many shots. Uh, you know uh, – Melton was three for seven tonight, 10 points that in the Clippers game, Melton had five points and no other stats. And that's just not him, not him at all. You know, Mr. Do something always out there doing something tonight, no rebounds, one assist, one still two blocks. And that's more of the line that you want to see. Obviously yeah. you'd like for him to be a little more efficient, but you know, that that's kind of what you want to see from Melton is him racking up those defensive stats because that means that he was in there being pesky and, and breaking up plays and doing all the things that you want to see from him. My only issue is, you know, that Grayson played almost 23 minutes tonight, shooting one for six from the field. He was struggling. Yeah, 0 of 5 from three. Uh, just yeah. not a not a good night for him. And I think he's I think his struggles are kind of coming with the shift with Jerry coming back in. You have more guys playing, more guys scoring. And I think he's kind of struggling to kind of find his role with this game because I mean they're not he's not getting as many looks as he used to get uh, but most of his shots have come like in a shot clock he had that that opportunity to hit that big three late in the game and he missed that one uh, but but he's just not getting the looks that he was getting before uh, because again you have Jared in there and you have other guys scoring so I think he's kind of struggling with that and so it'd be interesting to see what happens with that position does, does Jenkins finally moved Belton in the starting lineup because I think it's clear, especially now with Grayson struggling. Like, I love what yeah, he's I mean, been man. doing, but I, I just – now I, I think it's – I mean, I, really, I guess, honestly, it doesn't doesn't really matter. I mean, long as Belton's got it – Yeah, Belton's got close to the game. Jordan minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, so it doesn't really matter, I guess, who starts. I guess, long as Melton plays the majority of the minutes because defensively, he just brings something that Grayson doesn't bring. And if Grayson's not hitting shots, that's the thing about him. Melton, if he's not hitting shots, he can do some other things for you. If Grayson's not knocking down shots, that's pretty much he's pretty much not going to help you. Yeah, and that's I was pleasantly surprised to see that Jenkins made that change at the end of the game, going to Melton to close 
because Grayson was struggling. Had Grayson not been struggling, I think that we have Grayson Allen on the floor over Melton, but Grayson was struggling tonight. And so we're continuing to see Taylor Jenkins evolve as a coach and things that we felt like he was robotic and methodical about. He's actually making some changes. And I, that that's great for me because Budenholzer, you know, the camp that he came from there in, in Milwaukee, one of his Achilles heels is adjustments. He just yeah. not great at that, but it seems like Taylor Jenkins, although I've doubted it at times, he's starting to make those changes now. Yeah. I, I, I tweeted that out after the game. I, I think he coached a tremendous game down the stretch tonight. Uh, like you said, he made, made that, made that change. The fact that he fouled um, being up three, which is something that huge. you don't, you don't always so see. That's huge. huge because you see a lot of guys, they don't foul in that situation. And I, I think he did a tremendous job uh, at times. Even he brought in another big for rebounding in that situation on the free throw line. I mean, he made a lot of, a lot of smart moves tonight. Um, and, and, I, and I thought, I think he did a tremendous job. Yeah. You know, you had uh, Jaron and Tillman both in down there. And then Dylan got in because they were, you know, they wanted to put that box out on Nurkic. Yeah. And it worked out great. Jaron came down with a rebound, knocked down the free throws to seal the game. And I'm I'm sure that my neighbors heard me scream whenever Kyle <laughs> fouled him, man. I was so happy that he fouled him. I hate it. Like I, I feel like I'm going crazy fanboy mode here with that, but I've watched so many games on Game Pass, our, our league pass, where Teams don't foul. They're up three, and they just let them take the shot. Yeah. And it's – why? that To me, I, I think that if you break that down, if they if you have somebody go back and you watch games, I think the team that fouls up three in the final seconds wins that game more than the team that lets the other guy shoot the three. Oh, there, there's no doubt about it. I, I, I'd love to go back, and I wish I could find like a – a, uh, NBA stat on that over the last several years, but I, I agree. I think it's, it's, if you foul it, it's definitely much more likely that you end up winning that game because, I mean, if you give a guy a shot, especially when you're going against a team like Portland, I mean, they have snipers out there. I mean, you got Dane, who, like yeah. you said, is one of the most clutch players in NBA history. You got C.J. McCollum, who can knock down Carmelo Anthony, who was on fire tonight uh, from, from outside. I mean, they have so many guys that can, that can knock down threes. I mean, as soon as they get the ball in, especially with Portland of any team, you definitely want to foul. And again, man, it was a, a smart move by him, and I, I was glad to see it. I took man, I had a big, big gas because I thought for a second they were going to give him three free throws, but I, but he was right on the call uh, that the foul came before the shot. So I mean, big, big time move, and it ended up winning the game for him. And again, man, this is such a such a big win uh, for this team because I mean, you you were two and a half games back going in. If you lose this game, uh, I mean, you put you three and a half back. That's kind of putting you behind the eight ball. Uh, but but again, I think you win this first one. I, I think eases things up for Sunday and allows you to kind of go into that game with house money. And man, you might be able to come out of this thing with two. It's not going to be easy. Portland's going to be definitely be ready. You know, Dame's going to going to be ready. But uh, again, I think I, I would much rather be in a position to win the first one than to have to go into that second one feeling like this is a must-win game. Yeah, yeah. The pressure, not that it's completely off. Getting both of them in Portland would be huge. I hope they do. That that's going to go a long way for them trying to push for the sixth seed. Maybe they'll get there if they if they win both of these games in Portland. It definitely opens up the door and gives them a much better shot of getting to that sixth seed. You look at the uh, the differences tonight. 
Um, the the points in the paint, the Grizzlies outscored the Blazers seventy four to fifty eight. Second champ, second chance points. It didn't really feel like it was this close. The Blazers only outscored the Grizzlies nineteen to eleven, but it felt like Cantor and Nurkic both yeah. were grabbing. Yeah, it felt like they had ten offensive rebounds apiece. The way that it was going tonight, fast break points, big deficit there that uh, for the Blazers. The Grizzlies outscored them twenty nine to seven on fast break points. Just, just played extremely well. They played at the level that we know the Grizzlies can play. If they play that Clippers game with half of the effort oh, that they man. put into this game, game they destroyed that team. Destroy them, but. They didn't. You can't fix it, man. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. We just pack it up and we get ready for the next one, which is in Portland. They don't travel. They stay in Portland. They rest. And then we go live again Sunday. And you said Sunday's a day game, right? Yeah, 3, 3 p.m. Yeah, so it'll be over at about, about 5.15, 5.30. So, man, we got to have an early podcast on, on Sunday. And but, Dude, I'll take that over this uh, oh, 1 man. o'clock in the morning yeah. podcast. All yeah. day long. Yeah, All like you said, long. after after that game, I think we're we're pretty much done with the late tips. That he got an eight o'clock tip at Denver on Monday. The last last game of the season at Golden State will probably be the only one left that's going to be a a nine 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 thirty tip. So we don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, but some, something else that stood out to me is the Grizzlies out out rebounding this game fifty to thirty nine, fourteen to eight on the offensive boards. You're not going to win many games when you got get out rebounded by eleven and by six offensive rebounding. But they they were able to pull it out. That's a a stat that you don't usually see. If a team out rebounds you by double digits, you, that team usually wins the game. Uh, but they they were able to do it tonight. And I think uh, looking at another thing, nine of thirty from the three point line for thirty percent. Uh, so the, the Portland Trailblazers are plus fifteen points from the from the three point line and plus five and makes plus five in attempts from the free throw line. So I mean, you see some of these things, and Portland has some advantages here. But the Grizzlies just were able to keep scoring. Um, again, you. You see this team sometimes have these lulls in scoring, and they weren't able to do this tonight. I mean, they just kept going at them back and forth. And, and, and there was one point, I think, late in the third quarter, where, I mean, just back and forth. Portland would score. Grizzlies would score. Portland would score. I mean, they just went back and forth. And it's fun to, to see that. And Ja just, I mean, again, just we, we've seen this. We saw it in the Denver game. They ended up losing that. But, I mean, he's really taking control of this offense. Uh, I mean, getting 33 points tonight and just the speed, man, they just couldn't. Stop him. He's gotten this lately. Not that he didn't do this before, but lately he's been doing this thing where he just takes off, just gets the ball, just takes off. And I think it, it allows it. And Jaron's going to open up some things anyway, but I think he's made an adjustment for when teams have shut these lanes down. He just says, well, I'm just going to beat them down the floor and I'm not going to worry about the lane being clouded up. I'm just going straight to the basket. I'm not going to wait to let the defense yeah. set up and get on me. And I think that's something that he's kind of figured out. And I think we've kind of seen an adjustment over the last several games. Yeah, you know, he, he stepped it up tonight. He knew what Dame was going to do. He knew, you know, Dame and CJ and Melo, the, the game in the bubble, this is kind of a, a revenge game for him, if you will. And so he, he came up tonight huge. Dylan Brooks was, you know, he, he was big tonight, very efficient night, 11 for 19, 58% from the field for him, three for six from three, just great overall game. There's one more thing that I want to talk about before we get out of here, man. I, I want to talk about this Justice and Tyus thing. We kind of touched on Justice earlier. Yeah. And here we are again with Justice Winslow getting the minutes and Tyus not. This is what I want to say. There was a lot of hate 
over Grizz Nation Twitter tonight about yeah. <laughs> justice. There was. And, and I just this is what I'm going to say gotta... to you all. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to say this to everybody that's hating right now. Go back and look at Tyus's stats for this season. And when you're dumping all of this hate on justice, <laughs> do not sit there and pretend that Tyus did not have a three-game stretch where he did not make a single freaking field goal. He was 0 for 7, 0 for 5, 0 for 4, over a three-game period, a combined 0 for 16. So I, I don't have a problem with you disliking Justice Winslow. That's fine. But don't put Tyus on a pedestal and act like he's been dominant this year and there's no way that this should be a competition because that is not the truth. I love Tyus Jones. He's a great floor general. He doesn't turn the ball over. Justice does things that he can't do. Tyus probably takes care of the ball a little bit better than Justice does. But I don't want to hear this, oh, well, Tyus wouldn't do or Ty. That, that was a, just a three-game stretch. We can go down further, and we can look again because he had another bad stretch here where he uh, two for six, 0 for two, one for three, one for four. And all I'm saying is Tyus is inconsistent as well. The difference between the two is Tyus hasn't missed two years of basketball. Yeah. So if you don't like Justice Winslow, that's fine. Whenever he turns out to be the right fit for the Grizzlies, I'm going to be the one serving you the crow. I'm saving it. I got receipts that screenshotted <laughs> on my phone. I'm coming back for you. Well, there, and, there's definitely, I was going to say, there's definitely plenty of receipts to be had. I mean, it's yeah. like, uh, it's um, a lot of, a lot of Justice Winslow. Hey, like I said, I, I still fully believe in the guy. I just, my, my thing is just, I think right now, I just think he needs time to get right. And again, I think I, I just, right now, I just feel better with Tyus being the guy, because Tyus is a traditional point guard. He's been the leader of that second unit, and he's been running. But he, like you said, I mean, he's had several stretches this year where he's just flat out been bad. It's not like he's yeah. been this fantastic That's player all year. He's had stretches where he's been really good, and he's had stretches where he's been really bad. But he doesn't doesn't turn the ball over, and that's just kind of in these late-game situations when they're close. Since this is a kind of a new thing with Justice, I just kind of feel a little bit more comfortable if Tyus was in there. But I mean, Justice, he knocked that big big corner three knock he knocked down tonight was in a big spot where they really needed it. Um, mm -hmm. I saw some people really hating him, and then he hit that three, and I wanted to see what people were going to say. Nobody <laughs> really said anything about it. But. Yeah, crickets, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> there was another play. He, he had an offensive rebound. He missed the putback, yeah. which was yeah, unfortunate. But Tyus Jones is not getting that offensive rebound. Tyus Jones don't have the length to get that offensive rebound. And I mean, so, he's just going to cause problems just for the bigger – the size yeah. difference. I mean, the, the size is a smaller guy. Justice, yeah. I think that this this is to a lesser effect, but I think a great comparison here would be like where we we're comparing Grayson and the DeAnthony Melton, Tyus and Justice kind of fall in the same in the same bucket for me, and that maybe Tyus is a little better offensively, but on the defensive end. I think what justice brings to the floor makes up for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I there, really there, there, there's definitely a, a conversation, a conversation to be had there. I'm not all just on like, man, this is terrible. I can't believe they're doing this. I don't understand it. I mean, like, like I said, I would probably lean toward Tyus right now, but again, I'm still fully on the justice Winslow train. I think they, like we talked about on the first podcast earlier tonight, 
I think they need to pick up the option no matter what happens to, to try to see what they have. And I think also for an expiring contract, I think it's important because I think this team is going to make some type of deal next year. And I think it's, it's going to be a significant deal by the deadline. And you're going to need those contracts. So you've invested a lot in him. And it also he's also going to be expiring if you pick it up. I, I think you just have to pick up the deal. I, you can't let him walk. I think you've invested too much in it. And it makes sense to keep that, that expiring deal on the books. So, uh, I mean, again, I would – I don't know if shutting him down is the right thing. Uh, I, I know we kind of talked about that. I just – again, I mean, I feel in these close games with – 14 games left to play now. I just feel like Tyus has been in that spot longer. Uh, he's a traditional point guard. Probably not as much of a risk to turn the basketball over. I would feel more comfortable with him playing. But I understand that the front office wants to see what their investment is to give him an opportunity. So I'm not necessarily mad at it. But I, I would probably tend to lean the, the other way toward Tyus. But it's close. Yeah. Man, we'll see. And, and and if I'm wrong, you can call me out on it. I don't care. I've I've been... I have been wrong plenty of times before, and that's that's fine. I can I can live with it. Whenever oh, man, we all have, when, when you're a sports fan and you're watching and you're predicting stuff, you're you're gonna be wrong. You know, if if you're good at predicting stuff, you may be slightly over that fifty percent right, but uh, you know you're gonna be probably at best a sixty forty. Oh so man, you, I was. You're, you're gonna be wrong a lot. I was gonna say, man, I was. Big wrong on Jaron Jackson. That is one thing that I missed you with that on draft night, man. I was heated when they took took Jaron Jackson. I couldn't believe it, man. I like went fanboy just went nuts when they when they made that pick. I was like, I can't believe we had suffered through this tough season, and this is what what we're gonna end up getting. Like I wanted like Marvin Bagley, and look how that turned out. So I was yeah. completely wrong on that, and glad to glad to eat crow on that one. But I just had watched yeah. him in college and looked at his stats. He only averaged like. To the nine or ten points a game. I mean, and that's crazy to think about that Izzo couldn't. It's, it's the way he plays, the way he shoots the basketball. Like that guy only averaged like eleven points a game and only played like eighteen minutes a game or something in college. It's like unbelievable to think back that Izzo had this guy on his team and and didn't play him. Yeah. Yep. That's uh. That that's nuts to me. I'm I'm glad the Grizzlies picked him. Didn't man, shout, shout out to Chris Wallace, man. One of yeah. one of one of the positive things he did. He wasn't out, wasn't was a great drafter, but he hit that one. Yeah, it went one, one for the road right there for him. <laughs> but we'll take it all day long. Yeah, one on the way out, man. <laughs> all right, guys, we're gonna get out here. We'll be back with another post game Sunday afternoon after the uh, the second Portland matchup. Hopefully, we are talking about another win. Grizzlies could definitely use it. They if they have any shot to have any shot at catching Portland. They need to win one of these next two games against them. Let's just go ahead and get it out of the way on Sunday. So when we get home, if we win, it's great. If we lose, it's not a huge loss. Yeah. I mean, that, exactly. I mean, that's kind of the situation they're in. It's, I'm glad they got this first one. So again, you can go into the Sunday with a little bit less pressure and a chance to, to walk out there with two. Um, and then you got a game left on Monday. See what happens there. You kind of want to, want to get a little bit of revenge on Denver. You lost two close ones, you feel like, uh, to Denver. So you'd love to get that one, even though it's, it's going to be tough on the back-to-back -to -back at altitude. But, I mean, we see crazier things that that happens. So I'm definitely not going to say they can't win that game. And I said earlier today that I had a feeling that they, they will win that game. So um, it, it's going to be fun, man, down the stretch. Uh, but, again, uh, uh, another game against this Portland team. They always play great games. We saw one tonight. Hopefully we get, us, get one just as good on Sunday. Yeah, yep. I think that they will be ready for it. I feel like they're going to be up for that game. This just, 
you know, I think you mentioned it in the, the episode before this one. This is kind of a, a budding rivalry between these two teams, and they always seem to be great games. So look forward to another one on Sunday. We appreciate appreciate you guys listening. You can get the show on Twitter at HoopballGrizz. I'm at DWill2111. Isaac, where can they get you? And get us out of here, man. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. Again, make sure you always uh, check out the, our podcast. Go over to at HoopballGrizz, man. Give us a follow. Uh, we love, we'd love to have you aboard. And, man, uh, a big, big win tonight. Uh, hopefully on Sunday we can get another one. And, man, uh, opportunity for them to move up to six and, and completely get out of the play-in, which would be just an amazing job. And, again, I've said this before, but if that happens, I think – Taylor Jenkins has to be in that conversation for Coach of the Year. Man. But we'll talk to you on Sunday for, for David. I've been Isaac. Over it. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.